Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swillin. We're in uh, part three of this series today, My Big Fat Mouth. In uh, part one, we talked about complaining. Part two, we talked about criticizing. And to kind of tee up what we're going to be talking about today, I want to tell you a story, something I did a while back. And um, right about this time, 20 years ago, Jamie and I were preparing for our wedding. We were getting ready to, to be married, and we were uh, getting all the wedding plans done. And how many of you know that every single detail... Every detail of a wedding is extremely important to the woman. And for guys, it's just like, hey, tell us when it's going to happen. Tell us where it's going to happen. Tell us what we're supposed to wear, and we'll make sure our buddies are there. That's kind of how we kind of approach, you know, wedding stuff. We don't care about, you know, what kind of flowers are used. Great, there's going to be flowers. Wonderful. We don't care which ones. Uh, we don't care about the colors of bridesmaids' dresses, and we don't care about the invitations. And, and that last one right there is what got me into a pickle, the invitations. And so we, we go to pick out our invitations, and I don't know how they do it now, but a couple decades ago, you went and they gave you this book that weighed about 100 pounds. Some of you that are married a while, you remember this. And, and you flip it open, it's got 1,000 pages in it, it seems like, and each page has this whole like setting of the different invitations with the different accoutrements that you could stuff in the envelope, and it just was endless, different typefaces, different shapes, and of course, different prices. And we found the one that fit us, and we ordered them and had them shipped to Jamie's apartment, and she, for the most part, she did all of the address labeling and the postage, and then it was my extremely difficult job to then take those to the post office and just drop them off in the mail. And so uh, we, we loaded all the invitations in a couple of boxes, and I took them out and put them in the trunk of my car so I could take them to the post office the next day. And uh, so the next morning, I wake up, I drive to campus, I go to my classes, I drive home, get ready for work, and I go to work, and I completely forget that the invitations are in the trunk of my car. Well, a couple days pass by, and Jamie's like, hey, did you get a chance to drop the invitations in the mail? And um, just in a split second, like, all this happens in just, just a split second in my head, like this inner monologue happens, like, oh, crap. Forgot to put the invitations in the mail. We spent all this time on picking out the perfect ones. We spent all this money. She spent all this time on labeling them and putting the postage on them. And it was my simple job to just drop in the mail. I didn't do it. But you know what? I can do it tomorrow. She'll never know. And then out of my mouth said, yeah, sure. I dropped them in the mail. Went by yesterday. No problem. Well, guess what happened? Yesterday morning, I woke up, went to classes, drove to campus, went to classes, came home, got ready for work, went to work, and I forgot again. And then I forgot the next day, and then I forgot the next day, and then this went on for a few weeks. And so after a couple of weeks, I don't remember what we were doing, but Jamie had something that she needed to take to my car and put in my car, so she just grabs my keys... And she goes out to the car, and she puts the key in the trunk and opens up the trunk, and there are these two boxes full of invitations. And as you can imagine, her blood began to boil 
like any bride, and, you know, and, and rightly so. And she slams the lid of the trunk of the car. And about that time, I just so happened to follow her outside. And she's like, hey, you did send the invitations, right? You did mail the invitations, right? And I was like, again, all this, like, it was like, <laughs> DEFCON 3. <laughs> Commence sweating of the brow, the palms, and the armpits. Engage nervous speech patterns, such as slightly delayed responses, higher pitch tones, and shakiness in the voice. And again, all this like rushes through my head in just a second. I'm like, crap, 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 crap. She totally knows I didn't send the invitations. But maybe, just maybe she doesn't. And so, in almost a defensive tone, I was like, yeah, I sent them. And then she takes the key, and it's like slow motion. She puts it in the lid of the trunk and turns it, and I'm like, no! Uh, I wish I had a DeLorean so I could just go back in time. And not just not mail, not, like it would have been wonderful to go back in time and mail them, but I wish I could have just gone back in time and told the truth. And of course, hell hath no fury like a bride-to-be who has been lied to about the wedding invitations. And again, well-deserved fury. Well-deserved. Two times, yes. Oh, man. Uh, fortunately, we've worked it out. I'm still alive. I'm here today. But uh, today I want to talk about the problem of lying. I want to talk about the problem of lying. Studies show that the average person, and now I'm sure there's no average people here, but the average person lies four times a day. Uh, University of Massachusetts did a study, and they said that 60% of our population cannot have a 10-minute conversation with someone new without at least telling some lies. Can't go into a 10-minute conversation without telling a lie, which is why today's message will be nine minutes long. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a lie. It's going to be much longer than that. Sorry. Just lied in the middle of the lying sermon. Um, have you ever considered what God thinks about lying? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Now, that word detests in the Hebrew, it, it means like it's nauseating. It's disgusting. It's an abhorrence. So, like, lying literally makes God nauseous. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and he had this to say. He, he said this in Ephesians chapter 4. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So we have a new nature that we actually, we have a responsibility. We have a, a, like a, a partnership with the Holy Spirit and in coming into agreement with him and saying, yes, I'm going to wear this new nature. I'm going to put on this new nature. I'm going to take off the old nature because you can't put on the new nature on top of the old nature. That's like, that's like me trying to find another coat and put it on top of this coat. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't fit. It's not right. 
So we take off the old nature and we put on the new nature. That's what we do in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We say, yes, I'm willing to wear this new nature and, and, and be truly righteous and holy. And then this is what Paul says here. He continues on. He says, so stop telling lies. So connects the dots here. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Paul is saying when we lie, we're hurting ourselves. We're corrupting ourselves. And not only that, we're hurting our neighbors. We're hurting those that we're doing life with. We're corrupting the church even, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're corrupting the body of Christ. Jesus had some things to say about this issue. In John chapter 8, 44, he said this. He says, the devil has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. Our enemy, the prince of darkness, the great deceiver, one of his primary tactics against us is lying and deception. Lies, what they do is they keep us in bondage. You remember when uh, a few weeks ago on Easter, we read this passage where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, right? And Lazarus comes out of the tomb, but was he ready to roll? No. He was still bound. He was still bound in grave clothes. Was he risen from the dead? Absolutely. Absolutely. But he was bound in grave clothes. And I think so many of us, we're believers, we're Christians, we've been raised to a new life with Christ, but we still have old grave clothes on. And Jesus said to Lazarus, Jesus said to the people around Lazarus, because it's okay, here we're talking about community. Jesus said to the people, get those grave clothes off of him. So we need to get our grave clothes off and put on the new nature. Put on the new nature. So lies keep us in bondage. It's like grave clothes. But Jesus said when we experience the truth for ourselves, when we live in the truth, when we abide in the truth, which is who he is, he is the truth then we're free from the bondage of lies and we're enabled to live in and walk in and enjoy the freedom that God has provided for us. Amen? I think if we look at the enemy's tactics, we see there's like a three-point plan that the enemy has that he's coming against us to kill, steal, and destroy because that's what he does. That's his nature. He's, the, he's, a, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. And Jesus said that he comes against us to kill, steal, and destroy And I think there's this this three-part plan as it relates to lying that he tries to attack us. Number one is this. Satan wants to get you to lie. He wants to get you to lie. He wants to put lies in your mouth so that you can become comfortable with his native language. He wants you to just speak his language. So he wants to get you to lie. What, What does it look like? What does this lying look like? It takes on all kinds of forms. It could be... Something like exaggerating, like exaggerate a story. You know, you you caught that bass and it was this big, but when you tell the story, it was that big. And that's funny, but there's all kinds of ways we go out in our everyday life and we exaggerate things to make ourselves look better. It could be cheating on your income taxes. It could be cheating on a final at at school. It, It could be lying about where you are. Yeah, honey, I'm um, sorry I'm running late. I had to, I had to stay wor- uh, late at work because we got to get this project finished. But really, you left work and you went out and had a drink with your coworkers. I'm not saying just 
anything wrong with going out after work. What I'm saying is you shouldn't probably skirt your responsibilities at home, and you certainly shouldn't lie to cover your tracks. It could be fabricating a complete, just a lie out of just thin air. Whether it's something that, that makes yourself look good or maybe it makes someone else not look so good. Someone you don't like. Telling half-truths. Telling just half the story that you want people to know. It's all form of lying. And it's speaking the devil's native language. And, and, I, and I don't know about you, but every once in a while I get tempted to do this. And I get tempted to do it about the dumbest stuff. Things that are even less important than wedding invitations. I remember uh, just this one time, you know, we don't, we don't usually keep Coke in the house. You know, I understand that, like, I understand what it takes to, to be healthy. Well, you look at me, and you may not think that, but I have a lot of knowledge about what it takes to be healthy. And it's not about just having the truth. It's about doing something with the truth. But I love Coke, and I know it's not good for me. And we don't usually keep it in the house, even though it is the sweet nectar of heaven. But this one particular day, we had Coke in the house, and uh, maybe we had, you know, a party or something, and we had, uh, whatever, and we had some leftover, and we were going to have a family movie night, and I'm like, I want a big old Coke to drink during, my, during the movie, so I go over to the cabinet, and I pull out the gigantic metal insulated, you know, tumbler, you know, that you can't see through, so you can't see through that it's Coke, and I put some ice in there, and I fill the whole thing up with Coke, and I put the lid on, and we're sitting down and watching the movie, and I'm sipping my Coke and enjoying it, and Jamie goes, hey, what's in, the, what's in your cup? Water. <laughs> Why did I say that? Probably because I didn't want to come under guilt and condemnation for my poor health choice there, you know, wasn't promoting good health, and, you know, and your wife gives you that look, like Coke, you know, I didn't want to get that. That's water. She said, well, can I have a drink? <laughs> Shamefully, I hand her the thing, and she takes a sip and about chokes because she's expecting water, but instead she gets this delicious nectar of heaven, the sugary carbonated beverage that we know is Coke. And, and I just, I wish I could have just crawled under the couch at that moment, felt this big, because why did I lie about that? so stupid. It's so dumb. Oh. So the, the enemy, or just remember this, remember this, that the seeds that I sow today are the harvest I reap tomorrow. The seeds that I sow today are the harvest I reap tomorrow. You might say, J.D., what is the big deal? Have a Coke. I'm not talking about whether or not to have a Coke or not. I, I'm talking about don't lie about it, even something stupid like that. Oh, it doesn't hurt. It's just a little white lie. It is a big deal when you consider the example that I'm setting for my children. It is a big deal when you consider the pattern, the, 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 the pattern I'm establishing in my everyday life. It is a big deal. I don't want to speak the native language of the enemy. The, 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 the seeds that I sow today is going to be the harvest that I reap tomorrow. The enemy wants you to lie. So you'll be comfortable speaking in his native language. That's the first part of his plan. Second part of his plan is this. He wants not just you to tell lie to others. He wants you to lie to yourself. What does this look like? Well, you start rationalizing and justifying things in your life. 
You start then to double down on the lies that you've already told. You tell them one lie to cover up another lie, and another lie to cover up that lie. And then you step into some really dangerous territory because then you're establishing this pattern in your life and you start believing the lies yourself. This, this is kind of what happened with King David in Second uh, Samuel, I think, 11 and 12. He's supposed to be out at war. He's, this is the time <laughs> that he's supposed to be out with his soldiers at battle in war. And instead he's home. And he goes up on the rooftop one evening, and from his point of view, from his perspective, he sees out and he sees over in this other house and this woman bathing. This woman's name is Bathsheba. And he says to his servant, go get that woman. So the servant goes and gets the woman, and David and her, they sleep together. Listen, we could go into that part of the story right there and there's a lot to be said about that why he was up there why she was bathing where he could see her is this the first time this has happened you know is how many how many times has this happened before so this this thought I don't believe this is probably the in my opinion this is not in the scripture but in my opinion I don't believe this is the first time that David saw her I think David developed a pattern, and then he gave in. That's what I believe. And, and here it is. They, they, they sleep together, and then David feels the weight and the guilt and the shame. And he starts the cover-up. And he can't get this thing covered up. And Bathsheba's pregnant. And oh my gosh. Her husband's out to battle. He's going to come home, and this is going to be a big mess. And so he, he goes through this, this big circus, this big production of trying to get this thing fixed and worked out, and it doesn't work out. And so it ends up, it snowballs into David sending Bathsheba's husband Uriah, who was a soldier in the army, sending him to the front lines of battle on a mission that David knows is going to get him killed. Wow. Deceit. Lies. Well, some time passes, I guess. I don't, we don't know how long. And the Lord spoke to the prophet Nathan about this. The Lord revealed it to him. And the Lord said to Nathan, go confront David. So Nathan goes and confronts David. And he says, he doesn't just come right out and say it. He comes to the king and he says, I want to tell you a story. And so Nathan tells this story to David about a rich man and a poor man. The poor man, he had, a, he had this one sheep. And it was like the prized possession of the family. It was almost like a pet. And they loved this lamb. They loved this sheep. Well, the rich man had a friend come to town. The friend was hungry. So the rich man, instead of finding one of his own livestock to slaughter and feast on, he goes and he takes the lamb of the poor man and he slaughters that and feeds it to his friend, the hungry man. Well, David hears this and he becomes furious. This guy has to pay for his actions. Who would do this? This is not right. This is not just. This has got to be made right. 
And David even goes as far to say that this guy should be killed. He says, who is this man? And Nathan looks at him. He says, you are this man. You are this man. For some of us today, maybe we haven't gone, hopefully, (laughs) we haven't gone to the point of conspiring to murder someone to cover up our lies. I sure hope not. But we're, you're the rich man. You're David. Because of the lying. You've lied to others. You've lied to yourself. You've justified. You've rationalized the lies and other wrongdoing. You're deceived. And you're not living in God's truth. What are the tactics of the enemy? Number one, he wants you to lie. He wants to get... His native language in your mouth. And number two, he wants you to lie to yourself. Number three, Satan wants you to live a lie. He wants you to live a lie. This is where we claim to be one thing, but really we have a whole secret life happening in the background. We claim to be this, but really, if everybody knew, really we're that. Maybe you've put off this persona like, Man, I just got it all together spiritually. But nobody knows about your porn addiction. Maybe it's uh, you're a pro at just posting all the perfect moments on social media of your, you know, you living your best life. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> but really, nobody knows that you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with meaninglessness. You're struggling with, with, with whatever it is, but you're, you're appearing to be one thing, but you're not. You're something else. Maybe it's um, everyone thinks that you've got the perfect marriage. You, you walk the walk. You talk the talk. Every, at least it looks like that way. But you go home and you sleep in separate bedrooms. Maybe everyone thinks um, you're the perfect parent. <laughs> I think people think that about me and Jamie sometimes, except for the stories I tell on myself. (laughs) But let me tell you, it's hard sometimes. It's hard. The enemy wants you to lie to others. He wants you to lie to yourself, and he wants you to live a lie. And a lot of people are living deceived lives. And, and, And again, I hope it's not anyone here today, but it's likely that someone here thinks, someone here thinks, well, I'm a Christian because every once in a while I come to church. And I'm not a Muslim and I'm not a Buddhist, so I must be a Christian. But really, when you look at your life, there's no evidence of spiritual fruit. There's no difference between the way that you live your life and the way that your agnostic or atheist friends live their lives. The Apostle John said this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. He said, if someone claims... I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, commandments. In, in other words, there's no life change. There's no fruit. Now listen, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And when grace is operation in your life, there's evidence of that. But if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, the person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we're living in Him. And maybe you've told yourself, listen, I know that this does not 
this does not describe probably a lot of us in here, but it might be hitting home with a handful of us. Don't be offended. Be rescued. Be rescued by the truth. Maybe you've told yourself, well, I'm not a bad person. I'm okay. But the truth is not in you. The enemy has deceived you. He's tricked you, and you're living a lie. Why do we do it? Why does 60% of our population, they, they can't go 10 minutes without telling a lie? You might think that you're lying because you're doing it to protect someone else. Because, you know, sometimes the truth hurts, and you know, I don't want to hurt them. And so you feel like you lie to protect their feelings or something. Others' lies, a lot of us, they're self-centered. We do it to protect ourselves, to make ourselves look better, to cover our tracks. Some of us, we believe our lie will work better than God's truth. We believe, like, man, if I lie, this will get me out of this, or this will put me in a better light than the truth. It's going to keep us safe, and it's out of, keep us out of trouble. But, but no one's safe building their life on lies. It's like trying to build a skyscraper out of, like, twigs that you find in the backyard. It's going to collapse. Sometimes we, we think, well, if I lie, then they'll accept me. If I fabricate this, if I exaggerate this, if I, don't, if I tell a half-truth, if I don't tell everything about this, then I'll be loved and accepted. And maybe it's not a conscious thought, but maybe it certainly runs in the background of your mind. But the problem is you start building a relationship with people that's based on lies. The foundation of it is lies. And you think, well, this is going to help me avoid conflict. But really, like, the strongest relationships are the ones who've come through conflict. Ultimately, the root reason for, the, for why we lie is because somehow we, we don't believe God's truth and we don't trust God completely, fully. There's still areas of our heart that we're holding back trust. We're holding back faith. We're holding back belief. We're not truly, we've not truly bought in fully, 100%, in that God is who he says he is. We've not 100% bought in. We've not gone all in in believing that we are who he says we are. Satan has a plan for your life. It's bondage. He might not have the power or the ability to keep you out of heaven, but he sure does want to try to keep you from becoming everything that God has called you to be and doing everything that he's called you to be or called you to do. He doesn't want you to establish God's kingdom here on earth. And one of his tactics is the bondage of lies. But the good news is that God has a plan for your life, praise God. This is not the end of the story. This is be depressing if this, all right, everybody, let's just go home now. No, the end of the story is that God has good plans for your life. He doesn't have plans to harm you. He has a good future for you, plans to prosper you and give you a good hope. And the way that you walk into that is living in the light and living in the truth and experiencing who he is. 
You know, the enemy wants you to lie to others, but God wants you to speak truth to others. The enemy wants you to to lie to yourself, but God wants you to use your big fat mouth to speak truth to yourself. The enemy wants you to live a lie, but God wants you to live the truth, no matter if it makes you look good or not. That's God's plan for your life. It's the truth. John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus says, You will know the truth, and it will do what? Set you free. It'll do what? Set you free. That's right. And Jesus said this in John 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth has a name, and its name is Jesus. Satan brings bondage, but Jesus brings freedom. Lies bring bondage, but truth brings freedom. And I just want to say this right now. A, key, a huge key to living this out, to walking out of bondage and walking into the truth, has to do with community. It's like what I just said a few minutes ago about Lazarus coming out of the tomb, and he's risen from the dead, but he's still got the old grave clothes on, and he's bound, and he's in bondage, Jesus says to those around him, he says, take the clothes off of him, unbind him. And I'm telling you what, a huge part of living in freedom and living in truth and living out of the lies and out of the bondage of that is being in community. That's why you need to be here at this church. That's why you need to be plugged in into into a city group. That's why you need to serve on a team so you can be in close relationship with people that'll help you Walk out of the bondage of lies and walk in the freedom of truth. Amen? Here's the deal. We're talking about my big fat mouth. Remember Proverbs 18, 21? We've said this scripture every single week. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can use your mouth to get yourself in trouble, but you can also use your mouth to get you out of trouble too. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, we, If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. And James 5, 16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Praise God. So you use your mouth to confess to God and you receive forgiveness. And then you use your mouth to confess to your brother or your sister so you receive healing. That's how it works. That's how God set it up. This is the power of confession. It's the power of using your big fat mouth in the right way. Confess to God for forgiveness. Confess to others for healing. That's why you need to plant yourself here in this community. Wherever you are on the spectrum of this, whether, wherever you are on the spectrum of lying, whether it's just lying to others or maybe it's lying to others and to yourself or maybe you're living a lie What would it be like tomorrow to wake up and go, man, I'm free. I'm free of the bondage. I'm not bound anymore. I'm free. I'm walking in freedom. I'm not bound to the lies. I'm walking in the freedom and the truth. What would that feel like? I'm going to live like a forgiven person. I'm not going to live bound. I'm going to live like a healed person, not like a sick person. This is what God wants for you. He's inviting you to step out of the darkness and into the light of His truth. Let's pray. Mm. Holy Spirit, you're so good. You're so good.
you guide us into all truth. That's what you do. That's one of the things that, that's one of your job descriptions. That's one of the parts of your character and nature. You lead us into all truth. So we ask you right now to do that. God, I just pray for those of us in the room that this is a struggle. This is like there's a pattern in our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to come and bring your power and break us free from that bondage. We have been raised to new life with Christ, but Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to come and take the grave clothes off. Get us out of this bondage that lies bring. And we ask you right now to send the right people to us. Give us courage to put ourselves in, in the right company of others. The, the company of those who are going to help us walk free from the bondage of lies and walk in the light and the freedom of truth. We ask you for that help. Those of us, God, that, that have, this is an issue, we just confess this to you right now and say, God, forgive us. We, we want to lay that down. We want to lay that pattern and those, those things down. We repent of that. And we turn and we turn towards you because you're the way and you're the truth and you're the life. And when we experience you, we find freedom. So we repent. We receive your forgiveness. God, like, like James says, help us. Highlight to us those who we need to surround ourselves with. Lord, send them to us and help us go and search them out and find them. And Lord, help us. Give us great discernment when we know that this is, this is a brother, that this is a sister that we can confess to and receive healing. Holy Spirit, you do incredible work. And you choose to use community. You choose to use relationship to do it. So we recognize that and we ask you to help us in that. And Lord, I just pray right now. I want everybody to just stand up with me right now. Because this is not a time to walk out with your head hung low. Maybe you can walk out with your head hung low if you choose to walk out of here and not repent. But don't do that. Repent. Repentance is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's where you say, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I want this. I want Jesus. And there's nothing embarrassing about that. The embarrassing thing is to just continue walking down the path of destruction. Like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Turn to Jesus. He loves you. He has a great plan for your life. Like, well, man, what is everybody else going to think? We're going to think, yay, great. You're walking in freedom, right? Amen. This is a moment of victory, not a moment of shame. There's no shame in repentance. There's no shame in that. There's victory. There's victory of walking in the truth and victory in walking in the light. Would you just put your hands up right now? I don't know, I don't know what confession we're going to make. We're just going to make some kind of confession here. Just say this. Say, Holy Spirit, guide me into all truth. I want to walk in freedom that you provide. Help me be all that you've called me to be. Help me do all that you've called me to do. Help me find others. And help them experience freedom.
God, that's our cry to you today, that we want to be changed, we want to be transformed, we want to walk in the freedom and the light that you have for us, and we want to be changed in such a way that we carry the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we go, wherever, whoever we meet, and that we're able to speak your truth into their life because we're full of your truth. That's our confession today. God, I believe it. I'm full of your truth. God, I don't look at, I don't look at my past and say, that's who I am. I don't look at my current circumstances. Well, this is how it's always going to be. No, I confess now, God, I come into agreement with your good plan for my life. And I say yes to that. I'm in agreement with that. I am who you say I am. You are who you say you are. I'm going to walk in this, and I'm going to go out and help other people be free in Jesus' name. That's our confession today. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.